This is the Career Realities Podcast with me, Ethan Crane. A series of interviews that attempts to contrast the realities of modern 9-to-5 careers with how they are presented to graduates and school children. Traditional careers advice tells us if you work hard at school and university, this is the ticket to a life of fulfilling work. But as my interviewees demonstrate, it is not as simple as that. In these interviews, we reveal how fulfilment in traditional careers, however good they seem from the outside, is always hampered by the culture of work. And my interviewees show from their own choices how genuinely fulfilling work comes from the work you discover for yourself. These career reality interviews are a complement to my book, The Tyranny of Careers and the Joy of Work. More essays and information on the book can be found at www.ethancrane.com. That's Crane, C-R-A-N-E. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Today on this week's Career Realities podcast, I'm joined by Paul Richards, who, uh, among other things, uh, founded the charity Stay Up Late, which promotes the rights of people with learning disabilities so that they can live the lifestyle they're choosing. And he also works in the public sector and, among other things, has been a musician and other things he's going to tell us about. So welcome to the programme, Paul. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. So um, what I try and always ask uh, people when we start is... How, when people say to you, what do you do? How do you answer that terrible question? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I know it's, it's so hard. So I, I have, I have, um, I essentially have sort of two, two paid jobs and an unpaid job. And, uh, so I, I work for a not-for-profits housing provider in Lewis working with, uh, which works with, to support people with mental health problems and learning disabilities and other support needs. And then three days a week I work in London uh, for an organisation called Think Local Act Personal, which is about m- modernising the, the health and social care system so that it truly reflects the needs of, of individuals. So I've kind of, I was always told um, if you want to get a job that people understand, make sure it's something you can pitch to a three-year-old, <laughs> so like a fireman, <laughs> policeman, teacher, nurse, you know, doctor. I don't think uh, people do those jobs the, anymore. No. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so I've got one of those jobs where people glaze over as soon as I start talking about it. Basically, what both of them, what they have in common is it's about um, supporting people who are in receipt of services um, to be much more in control of dictating how those services look, um, assuming that they're the, the experts because they're on the receiving end. They know much better about it. So that's basically the focus of my work okay. so, around that. So, I mean, all your jobs really are your paid jobs and your and working for Stay Up Late are all sort of charitable in some ways. They're mm. all help, helping people. Yeah. Um, how, how does it split, like, how many of the days do you do the paid work for and how many do you do the sort of char- charity work? How does your week split up in that way? Well, at the moment, because I'm doing this secondment in London, um, it's it's a sort of a fairly unsustainable uh, situation <laughs> I've put myself in for the last six months, where I'm doing two days a week in Lewis, three days in London, and then running the charity in my lunch hours and on train rides. <laughs> <laughs> I think so for another yeah. three days in yeah. the eight-day yeah. week. Yeah. You know, and yeah. sometimes, you know, some some bits at, at the weekend. But, um, you know, the, work, the, the life of running charities, it's a lot around fundraising and writing bids and things like that. So that, you know, I'm working towards a situation where 
we can hopefully get some more resources in the charity, some admin support, or um, maybe I'll do a day a week um, in the spring. Might be might, might be in a position where I can do a day a week for the charity, right? And then get some of my life back, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe before we talk about all the stuff you do at the moment, though, I'd like to go back a bit further because I know you were um, in a band called Heavy Load yep. for quite a while. And I, it's always interested me because it never gets talked about. But when people are musicians, how I'm really interested in how you supported yourself. You know, did you make any money out of doing that? Did you make a little bit of money and support it on the side, or how did that work as far as um, earning a living went? It was, I mean, in a, in a way, it was where uh, uh, two two passions collided. So, uh, uh, from a very young age played instruments or being in bands um, um, generally always have noise on at home of some sort or playing something and then um, I was a support worker at Southdown and um, the that's when the band started so I then sort of this is when started. you were how old when was this when you were quite young oh uh, yeah I was probably about 27 okay. 26 something yeah. like that so I um, Started doing the band. We started doing um, sort of in our in our spare time. Then, as the band kind of grew, we realised actually uh, we got worse the more we rehearsed. Right. So, because our our music was very chaotic and improvised at times. So, um, so that wasn't. But but what what I was able to do was incorporate a certain amount of it into my into my work. I. I'd gone from, um, I suppose, my life so almost sort of a series of sort of uh, um, contradictions in a way. So the the band, um, I, I was managing a group home for people with learning disabilities and doing the band in my spare time. And then we started getting frustrated with uh, seeing people leaving our gigs early. So we, we started up Stay Up Late as a campaign. And then um, I was starting, we had young children, I was starting to find shift work difficult. So I um, got a job, uh, a job advertised at our head office, which I got. Um, and then um, the idea was then I would do a nine to five office based job. But then I'd started up stay up late, which was all about going out late at night and got into this band, which meant I was getting home at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right. And, and so trying that was to work a, nine to five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was a really bad plan. <laughs> right. That didn't work. But um, so I was kind of doing it on top of my job and bits of it within my job as well. So that was quite lucky. So did you earn but, any money from the music when you were doing it? Just just enough to keep going. We, okay. Yeah. So it used to keep us in chips and... Right. So it funded the band, but not any yeah. other parts of your no, life, really. No, it didn't. Okay. No, it just yeah. it just meant the band was um, was self sustaining, and we yeah. did some really good stuff on the back of that. We we went to New York, we did a couple of Glastonbury's, and we did some other um, overseas trips as well, so, and and released free self funding albums. So we we just sort of like um, did all the things we wanted to do as a band, but yeah. it didn't it didn't pay the bills in any way. I, th I think it's quite interesting. I think there's probably quite a lot of bands who are doing the same thing, isn't it, that we don't really realise. We see bands as having this rock and roll lifestyle and you think they're living out the back of a van. But I was reading an article the other day about the Broken Family Band, who are yep. fairly well known. They've had five albums. 
all four of them have done full-time jobs for the entire life of the band. Yeah, yeah. And they just do the whole thing in their spare time. But yeah. And who knows what other bands are doing the same. Well, we just I was, don't hear, do I was yeah. uh, talking to a manager of a band who, uh, you know, I think they're, they're quite, they're doing quite well. And they weren't doing badly back then. Um, they'd been offered a gig in Aberdeen. They're based in Brighton. And uh, and it was like the the fee was one hundred and fifty quid. <laughs> and it's, it's it's just pointless, isn't yeah. it? You know, yeah. and when when because our band we had to take at least one support worker with us usually when we were doing those overnight trips. So, for the member of your band who with learned yeah, 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 and so uh, so you're staying in a hotel. Um, and adult protection rules at the time were saying everybody had to have their own room. So it was kind of like, you know, staying in a travel lodge is 350 quid a night. Yeah. You know, before, you know, we, we were a really expensive band to, to <laughs> yeah. get on the road. We weren't allowed to crash in the back of a transit. No. We did sleep in a shed in Denmark once. But, <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean, even though you would, the money you were earning from the band was mm. just sustaining the band... Was it because I mean this is what this is what these conversations are about in a way you it was still a sort of fulfilling life to be working and doing the band totally the yeah. the the thing was that um, be, being in a band is a it, it's it's a quite ridiculous existence if you look at it too much because you're on the road for hours you turn up at a, a venue load all your gear in and then sound check and then you sit around for a bit and then come on stage, play for 35 minutes, you know, half an hour, and then you pack it all down, get back in the van and drive home. You know, it does not make sense, but that, that 30 minutes on stage is just, you know, that's the that's the bit, you know, that's the bit that you live for. Really. And it, it must be worth it to a lot of people because loads Absolutely. of people do it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there is, and it's not just about the 30, you know, it's, it's all the... It's all the banter in the van and the adventures you get up to on the road and things like that. It's just yeah. It's... I've often thought one of the most appealing things it looks about bands is the gang mentality. Really, like everyone in some ways is searching for a gang. Whether that that might even be just a group of work work friends if yeah. you work in something that you will enjoy doing together, or it might just be a group of friends. But that gang is kind of what people look for. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And I think there is that thing. Um, you know, people say it about being in a football team, it's a great, yeah. it's a great social scene to be involved in, or a cricket team, or whatever. Uh, and bands certainly are, are that. I mean, there, there is also that side of bands that they are, they can be so intense sometimes. You'll you'll be arguing over whether that should be an A chord or a D chord, <laughs> and and you have the most ridiculous arguments about things that really are inconsequential <laughs> in life and fall out with your mates, and you have to remind yourself why we did this. We did this because we enjoyed playing music together. You yeah. Know, but um, yes, but it was that that was why we did it. We 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 loved. We just had so much fun doing it. Um, in a sense, it was very very selfish of us we always said that like the band the music that we played was music to play and perform not really music to listen <laughs> right. to. but some people did so yeah, 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 yeah 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 and yeah and there was enough people who actually you know enjoyed enjoyed what we were doing as well yeah so, yeah. so I, think, I think some people would um find um it's strange to think that you have full-time jobs which you know lots of people have full-time jobs but like you say the fact you had this band and the music you were doing made that not feel like the dirge of a full-time job in a way because it was supporting what you really like to do. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, my, one of my kids was talking... I was telling my kids, I'd been talking to a friend of mine 
and she said that she um, she likes talking to the weeds when she's pulling them up to tell them why she's pulling them up. And then I was talking to somebody else the next day who keeps bees and sort of was very, and I was saying, do you sell the honey? You can't sell the honey, it's their honey. And one of my kids said, you don't half know some weird people, Dad. And I said, well, if you think about it, what's weirder, you know, talking to the weeds and the bees or bolting a 52-inch um, TV to your wall and going home every night and just sitting there in front of it? You know, what, you know, and he went, yeah, that's, that's a good point. And I sort of think, you know, it's, we've sort of defined what is um, normal um, in, in, our, in our culture. And it, yeah. and it really is sort of, um, you know, it, it really needs investigating why we think that sort of behaviour is normal. It's not, it's not a very good use of time. And no, I suppose many people would say the reason that happens at the end of a, a, a full-time job is because you're tired and, and yeah. you, you just need to relax and you want to kick back and the TV gives you gives you a way of doing that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but, it's, but like you said, you, you had a full-time job and you managed to play gigs and go to other countries and wherever the same. So it, it's not, I don't think it's always, it's not always that you don't have the energy for it, is it? It's like, it's like having that thing that you really like to do gives you the energy for it. You don't yeah. actually want to slump down when you get home because you're like, no, 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 right, no. I've done my work, let's go. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, yeah. life's all about rhythms and it's about, you, you, you can have all that sort of uh, mad, active time, but we didn't do that all the time. Nobody could sustain that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you have got to have those times when you just sort of like, yeah, slump in the settee watch yes. some mindless tv or yeah. listen to some music or whatever and but the idea is that 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 thing the sort of thing in the back of your mind isn't like like what's our thing we're doing next for the, the thing that we're really into yeah and that keeps kind of keeps you going yeah. like through the tired times and through the times when you're doing work to earn money yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely So when after the, your, it sounds like the, the band sort of finished, like you said, but you sort of like slid quite um, organically into running Stay Up Late because like you said, one of your band members had learning difficulties. And so yep. you, well, perhaps you can explain exactly what Stay Up Late, how Stay Up Late works. Yeah, yeah. well, so yeah, actually three of the people in the band had learning, learning difficulties and um, we were uh, sort of, we were, we were playing dis disabled uh, nightclubs, sort of disability, uh, sort of arts clubs and things like that. And um, we were, people were saying, oh, we missed you because we had to go. And then people said, could, could you go on at eight? You know, because we have to go at nine. And so we started asking, could we go lower down the bill? And they were like, hang on a minute, this is ridiculous. You know, we're a punk band. <laughs> and, um, and we started sort of like talking about it and saying, this, you know, why are... Why are people leaving on mass at nine o'clock? And it was because uh, people, support workers generally work shifts that finish at 10 o'clock at night. So nine right. o'clock is the time when people need to think about people, getting people back home so that they can finish their shift at 10. And um, we, so we started sort of saying, we, we all take our, our social lives, our rights to social lives, very uh, for granted, very much for granted. You see friends when you want. And so how must, must that feel if you're literally wheeled out of a venue 
halfway through your favourite band being on stage without, yeah. without being able to make any choice about that at all. No decisions, you know, just... We, and we would see people literally wheeled out and some people not very happy about it, you know, but still, come on, we've got, we've got to go. So we started um, Stay Up Late because of that, but also assuming that if people are being denied those kind of choices in their lives, then there's probably other areas of their, their lives as well that they're not being able to make decisions about. And so it's it was sort of probably symptomatic of a much greater problem. And we we so we were worrying about this idea, thinking what could we do about it. And, it, and we were having this um, documentary filmed about us at the same time. And I had this moment one day, I, I remember it like stuck in traffic I was, thinking, what could we do, what could we do? And then, so, yeah, we've got a film crew following us around. So if we made a campaign, it would be in the film. And uh, and so that's what happened. So the film came out, it was on the telly, and and um, and it was on in the States. And loads of people got in touch and said, about time somebody said something about this, because it's a big issue where we are as well. And so Stay Up Late sort of grew. Um, so you had a promotional like, film made kick you off yeah exactly yeah. exactly exactly right. I mean it, it, that, those are those sort of things where you know it's kind of hard to to sort of say to other people well here's here's a route through yeah you know it's so that's just what we, I was going to ask like for if anyone was saying because part of the thing is thinking you know if you there's a sort of a cause that you think you can do go ahead and do it really isn't it and your your situation is slightly unusual in that that happened but yeah but I mean I don't suppose that's all the aspects of it you had to deal with was there you had this kind of publicity but what did you have to do exactly in order to set the charity up how did that work yeah so I mean that's that's kind of quite a it's quite a job setting up a charity you have to you have to apply to the charity commission you have to sort of um uh, show them that what you're doing is unique and different in whether that's in your area or because there's, there's thousands of charities so they're the sort of gatekeepers for the charity act and they need to make sure people aren't just kind of just dreaming them up and setting them up just yeah. for a laugh and or for for you know nefarious purposes which which does happen so you have to do all this sort of applying and we did get a bit of legal help off a off a expert in charity law because um there was this kind of uh, sense that uh, we'd gone to the charity commission and they didn't believe that there were five punks who were trying <laughs> to set up a charity. That sole aim was to uphold government policy. Right. It, it sort of you thought they're, they're they're having a laugh, you know. But um, that's essentially because you know all this stuff around choice and control is all in government policy. It's just not happening. So that's what we were doing. So. You, the other thing is you have to have £5,000 in the bank right. to set up, a, to, to register as a charity. How did you get that money then? To We just, um, we we uh, we did some fundraising and I spoke to my old CEO at South Down Housing and the board um, donated some as well. So we, we pieced that together. Right. So yeah, you've got to show five grand in the bank. That's, that's a real catch-22 because yeah. you can't, yeah really get that money until you're a charity yeah <laughs> you yeah. can't become a charity until you got that money and so you're getting people to trust you before you've actually got charitable status yeah. yeah and i think a lot of what we learned as well is that you can't then just suddenly be a charity and bang that's that's it people still don't trust you you've got no track record so you've got to be quite patient in yeah in getting small amounts of funding in and we're still a small charity but 
you know, our, our annual turnover is starting to grow. We're employing a couple of people now, looking to take on another couple of people this year. So we're, you know, you, you, you just have to be, have to be patient. But I've also said that, like, somebody was saying, well, what's the secret to your success? I don't know if it's success, but I say it's like... Um, always thinking really hard before we say no to anything right <laughs> i think it's just about being opportunistic yeah. i think that's what we've done we've yeah. just seen opportunities and and gone with them that, that, that seems to be that's what other people have, have said though you know whatever it is they're doing like they didn't really have any idea how it was going to progress but you talk to one person they tell you about someone else and then you talk to someone else and yeah. they tell you about another person that seems to be if you don't have too too clear a goal you're all right because you just go wherever you want. Yeah. I heard this yeah. quote that I'm overusing at the moment. I can't remember where I heard it, but it was like it was essentially saying that any great general will tell you that no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think you know that's you, you. You can have a bit of a plan in life, but you've got to realise you've got to tear it up. You know, and yeah. you know, write a new one. You can. So it's got. it's fine to have a bit of a plan. You know, but yeah. You know, well, if you want to, you want to study a course or something like that. You, you, you've got an idea in mind that you're going to be getting into some sort of uh, career in a certain area if you follow that that course. But who knows? You yeah. know, the amount of people we know that are doing jobs that they they just didn't didn't train for. No, or, 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 like yeah. all these people in Brighton involved in social media. You know, they they didn't they didn't didn't, obviously didn't train for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, and that's kind of the difference in a way, isn't it, between between things that you do that you're you're passionate about and really value, and when you're thinking about your goal of a professional or career, because your professional career is kind of set in stone, and you can judge your success by whether you get there or not. The stuff you do for yourself, you can't really tell whether you've succeeded because you don't know what the goal was. No, so, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. no, yeah, no, that's right, that's right. Um, I suppose. And and also that so the bit that the bit that I I'm honest that I I uh, dislike about um, being involved in in funding applications and charity stuff is is monitoring and evaluation. I'm, I think I've just got a short attention span. I love starting projects. And yeah, doing new things. I hate looking back at. You essentially do that for the funders, don't you? The monitoring and yeah, evaluation to yeah. show that you've succeeded at something that they're yeah. giving the money for. So yeah. so that sort of sense of succeeding and success again it's not it's not really something i'm that interested in anyway yeah I, i'm just not naturally bent into well i, I was going to ask you though did you do you even though you don't completely understand what success means do you feel like what you set up has been a success does it feel successful yeah i mean yeah. it's sort of with in terms of numbers we've now got like 50 participants with learning disabilities and 50 volunteers regularly going out to gigs and just kind of having a having a regular time so that's that's successful you know yeah, that's 50 that's, people yeah yeah and, it, and it's growing our waiting list is full and you know and other bits of my life I judge success of how how many um funding applications come back with a check attached so you know and I'm not so successful at that sometimes yeah. so it's kind of you know. I suppose it depends what you're you're judging by success. But people are seeing you know. There's there's. Uh, I suppose I suppose you pitch an idea to the charity commission that you want to set up a charity, and they say 
yes, that's a good idea for a charity. So that's that's a success in its own right. You know, you've kind of come up with something that's yeah, something said yes to you. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, have you in all in all your time while you've been running Stay Out Late and you know juggling it with the paid work you've done? Have you? Um, have you always managed to survive financially doing that? Has it always has it has it been a bit of an up and down doing it, or is you have you always managed to kind of keep it going? Okay. Yeah. So for the first few years of it being first couple of years of it being a charity, it we didn't employ any staff at all. So it was kind of it was still existing really as as the campaign yeah. and just um, sending out information to people and just trying to to connect. Uh, um, a, a network of, of like-minded people and it when we got the, the the money to start gig buddies that's when we got our first project manager and that's when we started to um really really be able to grow grow our work so that that was transformational but yeah. um we, we existed before anyone anyone was paid uh you know i think how long was that that no one was paid for was it sort of... a couple of years right okay yeah yeah yeah, and so. I'd imagine that's probably quite typical, isn't it? Like you, people are funding it with other work yeah. for for a good while before you don't expect to make the money straight away. No, to do, do things. Yeah, and I I started sort of back in the last year. I just started um, a a block because because uh, stay up late um, had all this sort of media coverage, you know, sort of national TV and we had. Uh, a sort of four-page thing in the weekend of the Guardian, and Mark Kermode made it film of the week. We had all this kind of great media coverage, um, and I think because the word's so well known, people think that we're some sort of big organisation. Yeah. So I, I um, back in the last year, decided to start a blog, I, which I call Pressure Drop, and it's just about um, running a, a charity off your back table. Right and uh, and I I don't blog on it very often. I don't yeah. frankly have the time. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just a, because I was thinking there's got to be thousands of people in the same situation who are literally running a, a charity off the kitchen table. I imagine yeah. most probably most charities probably are run along those lines. Yeah, they probably they look kind of professional and slick because you've built a nice website. Yeah, but actually they're hanging on by the skin of teeth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's certainly us. You know, yeah. we sort of. Uh, we're very active on social media and updating our website all the time, and yeah. and I think yeah, people somehow assume that there's some sort of big comms team behind all of that. And... I don't think hanging on by the skin of your teeth is meant to be in any way bad either. No. It's kind of like that feels like a yeah, a it means nice you're, way to do things. you're you're yeah. sort of yeah. keen and relevant probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I mean, it was our AGM last year where I, I we were talking about our long term objectives for the charity and I said oh mine is to um uh make make the issue of staying up late so relevant that we have to shut down and we're not needed anymore <laughs> yeah and um you know and essentially most charities probably would have the same um the same ambitions you, yeah like cancer research I actually saw an advert of cancer research the other day essentially saying they want to research the life out of all cancer yeah, you know, they'd like to disband. Yeah, 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 and there will always be charities needed that that relieve. Um, uh, so even the ones that relieve uh, famine from war, you know, hopefully they they want the, and you know they want peace. 
You, could, you can't do anything about natural disasters. There's going to be some that yeah. are still required. Probably but... about war as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. those people are living in, 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 in bad places due to poverty because yeah. they, they don't have any other choice but to sort of live where, where it floods and things like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of, I think that's, yeah, probably most people, hopefully, well, if, if you get into a charity and you're more worried about your mortgage in your car, then I think... That's that's sort of um, for for me. That's that's not not the right values for for running a charity. No. it's, it's got to be about the the need and trying to address the need. It seems to me that all the people I meet who work for charities like yourself seems that that worries about their mortgage and car seem to be kind of those worries kind of fall away somewhat because the charity gives them so much for from what they're doing. You know, the, yeah. you think oh, the mortgage and the car. Get an old banger or something instead, <laughs> yeah, 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 which won't get me to work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because, because otherwise, you know, it's. I, I suppose it's. You know, we're all we're all different. We have different priorities in life. But you know, for for me, it's just something about um, trying trying to make a difference. And and you know, if in a sense, you know, talking about like taking opportunities, but it's also. It's, taking the responsibility in a situation as well if you're in a position where you can influence something you know it's, it's kind of perhaps taking the responsibility to do something about it yeah rather than just thinking oh well i, I mean we could have just said oh well you know we we're in a band that was a huge amount of fun and now we're not in a band yeah. so that's yeah. that you know but it seemed to me that you know when 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 we started stay up late um because again, because of the publicity, I felt that we'd done a really good job of of telling people how crap life can be for people with learning disabilities in this country, um, and for me, that didn't feel like a responsible place to finish the conversation. No. Really, you know, we we now need to try and find a way of trying to do something yeah. about it. You know, and yeah. I think it was uh, just after the global banking crisis that we started you know it probably wasn't the best time to, to st maybe it was the best time to start a charity like this because yeah. with austerity cuts and stuff you know the pressures on services are greater than ever and um people with learning disabilities are really feeling it so you know it's kind of yeah we were in that place at that time and, yeah. yeah so um if you if you were to um look back at your 18 year old self which is kind of what I do in in the Tyrion Careers book do you have any advice you would give to your young self which is I suppose is what we're trying to do in order to bring you to the point in your life that you've got to now is there anything you do differently it's funny know? yeah because yeah. I I was never encouraged to go to university and I never did so and and I you know sort of like that's probably one of a, a regret in life that you know and I would say to my 18 year old self uh, pull your finger out and um, you know work on those A levels and and go to university. But um, although and, strangely, maybe that's not quite such a good idea anymore. With the, yeah, no, yeah. no, absolutely no. Yeah. But to yeah. yourself, then yeah, time travelling back to then, it would have yeah. been ideal. You yeah, know? yeah, because you've got grants and all sorts and yeah. no debt and things like that. Yeah. yeah. But so, uh, what did you feel you missed out on by not going to university? I I think it's that sort of uh, that 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 bit of life where you where you can you know move away from home and yeah. um 
just just live differently, grow up in a different way, and, and things like that. Because that is the side of university that we kind of forget about in some ways, isn't it? We think about it's people getting a degree and more qualifications, but actually those three years of growing up away from home on your own are just invaluable, really. Absolutely, aren't they? Yeah. I think I think that's the thing, and I I would uh, I would say to myself uh, that I. So I, I got into a job, again, it was kind of like parent power. So they were just, you know, generally you'd go into a job around financial services that was deemed as um, safe and, you know, not not an inherently dangerous, although we now know that it's neither safe nor, you know, it, it is quite a dangerous, it can do a lot of damage. And, and uh, I absolutely hated it, but it took me quite a long time to work out what I wanted to do. So I, I suppose in a sense I would have probably encouraged myself, I would encourage myself to try more different jobs, I think, and just try try different things, you know, maybe travel a bit and things like that. And How did you um, make the step to get out of the job that you hated? What kind of kicked you out of that? Um, just just realising I, I absolutely hated it and, and so it was working in a bank, but... Um, I remember sitting there thinking, what do I like about this job? And what I liked about the job was all the customers that we'd, we'd meet. But generally, they they like they had no money, they had big overdrafts, and you'd have to interview people who were in sort of desperate situations. And my boss, she was a cow, and she said, I don't care they're overdrawn, that's a £15 charge. And he said, for God's sake, you know, you know, people don't need that with their cornflakes. You know, you're just pouring woe on what... And, and I just found the whole thing... All the, this back in the... Uh, early 90s all the personal loan repayment mis-selling that was going on all the time and I could see it and I disagreed with it and you know there was this this culture of selling it was just it was just horrible and um, so I thought well what I do love is is working with people what I don't like is sales targets so I need a job that's working with people with no sales targets and then a friend of mine was working as a support worker and uh, and just and I knew some people learned disabilities as well from from other things I've been involved in. It just seemed like that would probably would be a a good step. So I I just started doing relief work. So sort of doing bank work, um, you know, on their relief bank in the evenings and at weekends. And so you're kind so, of trying it out in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was brilliant was I asked I had to ask the bank manager for a reference, and he went just want to say I we just think it's so brilliant that a member of our staff is doing this kind of stuff it's really wonderful <laughs> and he didn't realize that I was digging an escape tunnel <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me the reference it's fine. <laughs> yeah yeah gave him giving me a shovel really and um uh and that's that that kind of went on for about six months so again that was kind of caning it really for six months just um just to just to make that transition and then got but then I was a support worker and I did things and then I got into managing a service and then I sort of moved into into the office um, work and doing a sort of much more facilitation type type role. And so none of this was by any plan or design. Yeah. Just just opportunities arose and yeah. you know, and it happened that the band worked well within all of that. And it's it's, it's difficult to say, you know, um, what what you could have done you know if, if different opportunities would have arisen I guess would have would have dealt with part, that at the time you know? part of it is 
is actually being available for opportunities in some ways, isn't it? Because, like I say, you had that, fr- and you you managed to do the evening relief work for a lot of people in full on full time careers. They've got no energy or headspace to do anything outside of it. Yeah. So, and I always think you have to, in order to start kind of quitting the career that you have at the moment, you have to kind of reduce your dependence on it before you've even left it really don't you and yeah. try and get into something else it's yeah and it's also like um i don't think it's a tom waits saying but it's like a tom waits lyric which is like luck is where preparation and opportunity combine you yeah. know it's an old saying and but it certainly is true you know so i i was playing music um in in a band and um and with these guys and we happened to meet a film director and and that those two things just kind of just you know welded together neatly you yeah. know you could call that luck but if we hadn't have been doing the band and met the film director then yeah that would have just been a copy of the film director the yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah 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 could have made a fascinating 90 minute documentary about a depressed bloke working <laughs> in a bank <laughs> Well, that's, that's probably a good place to stop anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I've been talking to Paul Richards on Career Realities this week. And Paul, thank you very much. Thanks very much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. You have been listening to the Career Realities podcast with me, Ethan Crane. More books, podcasts and writing on the tyranny of careers and the joy of work, please see www.ethancrane.com. Thank you for listening.